What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The Eagles are at the podium, and we've got continuing coverage of organized team activities here at Bleeding Green Nation, your source for the best Eagles news and analysis in the game. Powered, of course, by SB Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. Also, make sure you're following Bleeding Green Nation podcast at BGN underscore radio so you can keep up to date with all of the shows dropping into the feed as it happens. And we also thank you, gentle listener, for answering our plea for five-star ratings to push us over 900. So we went from 898 five-star ratings to right around 930 within about 24 hours, which is an incredible outpouring of support that is deeply appreciated by all of us here at BGN. Thank you again for being all we got and, in fact, all we need. Today we have a fresh press conference for you. It's from Monday, June 3rd, as Doug Peterson spoke to the media. We're airing this today because I just didn't have a place to slot it with the ongoing OTA coverage, the new Kist and Solak show, BGN Radio. Uh, the Kist and Solak show, by the way, is the first installment of the Eye on the Enemy series. This one covered the New York Giants and their outlook entering the 2019 NFL season. Make sure you give that a listen if you haven't yet. Next up is the Washington Redskins, followed by the Dallas Cowboys, and then we'll get outside of the division. Now, along with the Doug Peterson press conference today, which will be played in full after the break, I have a special guest with me to kick this off. The Supreme Leader of BGN, Brandon Lee Gowton, is joining me for a quick chat as a primer for the next BGN radio, which will drop into your feeds Friday morning, as always. And we're going to be talking about the main storylines from today, June 5th, at OTAs and otherwise. So enjoy this quick chat with BLG and the follow-up press conference from Doug Peterson. Let's kick it over to all of that right now. BLG, how you doing, brother? Mike, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me here, man. Absolutely. So I've already qualified to the gentle listener that this is just going to be a quick primer before the next BGN radio out later this week. But OTAs continue today. You were covering it live at the NovaCare Complex. Uh, shot out of a cannon. What was your main takeaway from the practice today? Yeah, Mike, uh, honestly... Uh, it's the fourth open practice at this point of OTAs. It's actually the final day of OTAs. The mandatory mini camp starts next week. So you've almost kind of seen it all in a way. Um, nothing too new from what we've seen. Nate Sudfeld had a good day today. That was something. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that a little bit. But the, the other highlights were Dallas Goddard continuing to be a beast and kind of some different formations with the tight ends that are worth noting. And your boy, obviously, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, just looking good once again, making those jump ball contested catches. So, And then even Sidney Jones, also one of your boys. So I guess it was a good day for you, even though you weren't there and you didn't get to see it. It was a, it was a good day for your brand. Yeah, I saw my brand was thriving, J.J. with a 50-50 ball apparently. And let's talk about Sidney Jones because from what I saw, the last play for the practice was that he had intercepted Clayton Thorson 
to end it. How's my third year man and my favorite for breakout secondary player of the year looking? Well, he did have a bad dropped pick. Yeah. Clayton Thorson threw deep, deep, quote unquote, deep to um, <laughs> Will Ty, who was a tight end on the Eagles roster. Who formerly of the Giants, correct? Yes, formerly of the Giants. Uh, he was on the Eagles practice squad. Fun fact about Will Ty, I think he ran like a 4-4-5 at his pro day at Stony Brook, which was the biggest lie of anything ever in the history of things. I think an additional lie was you saying there's a fun fact about <laughs> Will Ty. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but anyway, Sydney had a chance to pick that off, and it, like you have to make that play. It's OTAs, you know, the ball is right, it's hanging in the air. It's it's a Clayton Thorson pass. It's not exactly a bullet <laughs> there. It's a wobbly, deep pass, and he just dropped it. And like, drops happen, I get it, but hey, come on, Sydney, like, you got to make that play. Uh, he redeemed himself later on on the final play of practice, funny enough. And now, to be fair here, it wasn't like this amazing play by Sydney only. Uh, it was like a really bad throw. It was it was severely underthrown. But to Sydney's credit, he did make the play. He caught it this time. He did what he should have done, and he ended the practice on a good note. That uh, the defense was fired up about that one. So uh, that's kind of nice to see. Uh, I think they, you know, they'd like to see Sydney doing well, considering all the injuries and everything he's been through. Mm. So uh, it was just a nice sight to see. Can you follow up on how Clayton Thorson looked overall beyond just the pick at the end there? Because from what I gathered from multiple reporters that were there, he had a day that he probably would have wanted back. Would that be an accurate way to state that? Yeah, this was his worst practice I've seen by far. Uh, if you think back to the first time, you know, we did one of these OTA recaps, I said, hey, he actually like, <laughs> didn't look great, but I could see some positive things and see why the Eagles took him and why they might like him. Uh, this practice, not so much. It was just, it was, there was a lot of struggles. Again, wobbly passes, uh, just not great reads. Uh, There's a lot of red zone work today. And, you know, you would think maybe that's an area where he could do better to kind of take advantage of that short to intermediate passing game. Yeah. But it just wasn't there. Like he just, he just looked like a rookie, honestly. And that's fine. You know, it's going to happen. Uh, it's just one day of OTAs. It's not the end of the world for him, but it just, it was clearly not a very good day. And on the other side of things, Nate Sudfeld has had kind of a quiet, OTA process, but today I heard a lot of praise for him subtle. It was like that thing with Boston Scott where you're like, your timeline is all <laughs> full of Boston Scott one day. And today I felt like there was a lot of Nate Sudfeld love on the timeline. Tell me about the Studfeld. Yeah, this was easily Nate Sudfeld's best day of practice. He's kind of been up and down, I feel like, in a lot of these sessions so far. But today uh, he just had everything going. Uh, the accuracy was there, the touch. I think Sudfeld can be really good in the red zone at times. He just uh, he feels like he's seeing the field well. He, he's just getting the ball out quick. He's making the right play. Uh, he's not holding on to it forever and trying to make something happen. He's just making smart decisions. So that's kind of what we saw today. He had a couple touchdown passes to running backs, just getting the ball out quick and letting them take it into the end zone. He also had that really nice throw to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who ran – I mean, everyone was focusing – on the jump ball aspect. And that yeah. was impressive, but he created space with just a really impressive route to get to that spot. So you love to see that. And just the connection too, with him to, to see that kind of connection forming there. Cause you know, JJ Arcega white side is usually running with that second team, you know, although he's getting first team reps too, because right. uh, <laughs> Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar weren't practicing today. So 
that was kind of a, another overall theme of the offense, kind of just, you know, slower just because you're missing those key guys. Do you think that they were just resting them, giving them a day off type of deal with with uh, with the veterans there? I know Alshon hasn't been there, mm-hmm. but like with Deshaun and Nelson, do you think that was just like, hey, take a day? We, we There's a long way to go in this process. Probably with Deshaun. I don't know what's up with, with Nelson because he, he wasn't there earlier this week, too. Maybe he's just not at OTAs this week, mm-hmm. you know, again, which is fine. They're voluntary. Maybe he's taking a week off before he comes back from minicamp. Uh, but yeah, not sure there. Let's go to something I saw. I saw Jimmy Kemsky tweeting out oh, that, that rascal. <laughs> Ronald Darby thinks he'll be ready for training camp is what he told him. Kemsky also added that players are always optimistic about their recovery time. So there's a grain of salt to take with what Darby said. What was Darby doing today at OTAs? Yeah, he was running on a side field, just uh, as was Corey Clement and Matt Collins and Josh Adams. So good to see those guys moving around. You take that as a positive sign that they could be back, you know, sooner than later, as opposed to a Brandon Brooks, who you don't even see out there on the field at all. And a Jalen Mills, who I think I saw for the first time all OTAs, and he was only on the sideline watching. So the fact that they're moving around doing something, I take to be generally some kind of positive sign. So looking beyond OTAs, I actually want to go outside of the Eagles before we get to this press conference here, because the Washington Redskins may have one heck of a situation brewing at their left tackle spot. Not only did they let backup Ty Niseki walk in free agency to the Buffalo Bills, which I felt was a mistake at the time. I'm really high on Niseki, by the way. I felt he was the best backup in the league and definitely worthy of a starting chance. But now they also seem to be dealing with an unhappy starter what details do we have on the Trent Williams situation and because of who reported it how much of a mountain of salt do we need to take it with uh, I also saw Mike Florio in addition to Ooh. Jason Lockenford so it sounds like there is some real buzz there okay. saying that uh, Trent Williams does not want to play for Washington anymore and also the premise isn't that crazy you look at Washington and they've had some of the most injured yep. teams by adjusted games loss over these past couple seasons and some of that you feel like okay this might just be bad luck uh, they should be better in that regard but i don't i mean yes maybe to some extent but it sounds like there's also some kind of medical staff issues which are totally foreign to the eagles and you know thank god the eagles have never been wrapped up in that uh as i'm joking (laughs) here because that that is a concern but hopefully not as bad as washington just to the fact that like trent williams doesn't even want to play for them apparently he he requested a trade or a release uh and that's that's huge that's a huge loss for washington Like, what are they doing with their offensive line if they don't have Trent Williams? You're going to put, what's his name, Jerron Christian, who, like, <laughs> was just clearly could not Got even. Destroyed. <laughs> yeah, he didn't belong in the field. Like, you could you could just look at him, even physically. Like, he just didn't even look mm. uh, the part last year when he had to play, and he was a disaster. So, uh, good luck with that, Washington. A, <laughs> whoever is protecting Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum's blindside. Yeah, that's crazy. And and the next team that we're doing on the Kiss and Solak show for the Eye on the Enemy series is, in fact, the Washington Redskins. And I was going to save this stat for that, but since we're talking about it, in the last five years, we're talking about adjusted games lost here from Football Outsiders. They show how healthy or unhealthy a team is. The Washington Redskins have ranked 24th, 31st, 28, 32nd, and 24th as the unhealthiest team in the NFL. So there is a long history there with the medical staff and not being able to stay healthy. The injury luck there has been terrible, and maybe there's something more to it. So maybe Williams does have a point, and maybe what like Lacanfora is saying there is is actually true. I mean, it would be a first time in a long time, but, you know, <laughs> a clock is right twice a day. So, BLG, before we kick it over to the press conference, because we're just doing this kind of as a primer for the next BGN radio that's going to be dropping on Friday, uh, anything else you want to say to the gentle listeners or any any notes that you want to drop before we get out of here? I don't remember if I even touched on it, but 
probably need to reemphasize that Dallas Goddard is really good. Yeah. And uh, also, I liked how they were using him in the sense that uh, the Eagles were running some 13 personnel today. Let's go. You had Richard Rodgers and Zach Ertz on the field in addition to Dallas Goddard. That was nice to see. Doing some running out of that. Doing some passing as well. Uh, also, Mike, the Eagles had Dallas Goddard lined up as an H-back in the backfield, running routes <laughs> out of the backfield like that. That's I like that, too. Doug's getting creative already. Uh, in June. And one more thing. Well, before you get to that, what what was the tight end that, that we had that we were going to do that with with, uh, with Chip Kelly? Trey Burton, you're thinking of? Or no, before that. Before that. I Derek really... Carrier? It's <laughs> <laughs> a deep cut. That's, that's, that's wow. <laughs> no, I swear there was someone they brought in as an H-back, but maybe I'm thinking of another team. But please, go, go ahead with your next point. I was watching the Bears versus Eagles playoff game Ooh. recently, just on YouTube, because I saw it in my recommended videos on YouTube. And there was a snap at 155 left in the game in the fourth quarter where Alshon Jeffrey lines up like way – he lines up behind Nick Foles. So like a pistol kind of deal here. Yeah. And then he goes out and he, he motions out wide and then he catches a pass right from that. I was just – this is totally random. But I'm just saying like that kind of reminded me of that. Because like, I had seen that a couple of days ago and then I see the Goddard thing and I'm like, okay – we're seeing some some creativity here, some wrinkles. Doug's yeah. still there's still, still something here to, that I'm getting excited about. So uh, it's that, and the the one last thing I'll touch on is that we do have some kind of Joe Douglas news. Uh, your boy once again, Mike Jason Lockenfora, <laughs> saying that uh, the Jets and Joe Douglas are actually talking about. Uh, like budget for staff already. And so it kind of sounds like that could be a done deal. And in addition to Lock and Fora, you also have Adam Schefter now saying that the Jets gave second interviews to not only Douglas, but all those other guys they interviewed in the first round. It sounds like we could be seeing some kind of Jets decision here soon. Uh, and, and in addition to all of that, I just said there's a new tweet coming here across my timeline that from Manish Meta that the Jets are not thrilled with the perception that Eagles executive Joe Douglas has the GM job if he wants it. So maybe they're not going to hire him because they feel <laughs> like there's like this perception that he, oh, it's too simple or it's too, or he's controlling us. So yeah. This will be interesting to see if he actually gets it or not. Well, that's fascinating. Well, BLG, thank you for those nuggets, and thank you for dropping by as you as you covered the OTAs today live at the Novacare Complex. But we're going to get out of here. We'll talk with you next time. Your next next show you're going to get, depending on how things happen, because there's some things out of our control right now going down. Uh, it, it's either going to be the QB Sco show on Friday morning, or it's going to be BGN Radio. But you are going to get both of those shows within the next few days. So hang in tight and see what happens there. And keep it locked in here on Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much, as, as I said at the beginning of the show, for all of the five-star reviews. You guys came through big time. We are so close to 1,000 now, so keep the push going. Steal your girlfriend's phone. Give five stars. Leave a review. Say your following instructions. Whatever you need to do, we really, really appreciate it. And we'll be back with Doug Peterson at the podium right after this. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I am clear. I'm always clear. I'm never vague. Come on. You're, you're vague.
Vague? Am I? It's, it's yeah, it's lower body. It's just lower body. It's lower body. Can you tell us why? What's up with Matt Collins? Mr. Serious. Good morning. What's up with Matt Collins? Why is he? Is he, well, is his career you know, I'm going to be vague. We'll start vague. Um, he's continuing, uh, you know, his rehab. He's progressing. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into a lot of the specifics with him, but uh, he's he's doing well. Is it, is it still the groin? With him? Yeah, it's still the same previous injury. Have there yeah. been setbacks along? I mean, it's been No, a not time. really. I mean, you know, again, this is, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to get into all that. I, I don't you know, necessarily understand it, but, uh, you know, he's he's progressing well. So do you anticipate seeing him at all during the summer at training camp? Uh, do you have any idea? Well, hopefully in the summer I won't see him because I won't be here. But uh, training camp starts. Early yeah, August. training camp. I mean, we're, I'm optimistic with with him that uh, he'll be he'll be there for the start of training camp. Yeah. Is uh, Miles Sanders back at practice? He'll be at practice, but uh, I'm going to hold him out again today. Just I just I just want to be careful with him, and and uh, you know we're not playing. For a while, uh, he's he's engaged in meetings. He's engaged out at practice, uh, you know, watching and, and uh, a part of that. But but right now, I just want to be cautious with him. Hamstring Lower body. What exactly happened with uh, with Josh Adams? Josh? Yeah. What do they know about Josh? Just the shoulder, right? I mean, he just he's progressing. You know, again, he's another one that uh, we're we're just being cautious with him. Um, you know, don't want any setbacks at this time. Well, again, we're still in that voluntary portion of, of you know the off season, and uh, we're focused on the guys that are here. But uh, you know, I, I fully expect that everybody will be here next week. You've had two weeks to see Carson now. What has has stood out about watching him on the field? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, um, gosh, he's you know he, he's strong. Uh, his lower body's strong. Um, his arm is strong. You're seeing the things that we saw a couple years ago when he was healthy, obviously, and um, you know he's leading the offense, leading the team, and. And really, really doing a nice job out there, um, getting on the same page with Deshaun, and, and really kind of getting that rapport going. And, and uh, same with Nelly. I think Nelly's another one that's really had a had a, a good off season so far. And um, but yeah, Carson been been real impressed with where Carson is. Has the body responded each day the way you were expecting? Have you had to, I'll, I'll, I guess, hold him back at all? No, you know, we, we we were cautious early. You know, we just wanted to make sure that he was progressing each day, and and uh, you know, we've we've increased his load, and um, he's handled it well. Uh, again, we, we're always going to be um, a little bit guarded, you know, probably with all our players, but uh, uh, especially him. But um, yeah, it's been he's been good. Jumping off yeah. of that, you haven't had a chance to see all of the receivers here yet, but what can you see from the, the chemistry that Carson's starting to develop with the guys that are on camp right now? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, getting getting together with Deshaun was probably the biggest one, um, you know, and, and then adding J.J. through the draft, and, and, and um, it's just, you know, spending time, just having those guys out there, and, and you know, you're seeing those guys, uh, you know, connect even after, uh, plays are done, you know. Plays are through, and, and talking, and Carson, kind of going through uh, what he what he saw, what they saw, and and that, and that's what it, that's what it takes. You know, this is that time where uh, we can work out some of those details and, and really get on the same page with everybody. And um, I think it's been it's been real good to to have that dialogue with those players. Wait, Doug, have you been have you been told that Malcolm's going to be here next week? You said you fully expect all those guys. I mean, that's just me personally. You know, it's a, it's the first mandatory portion of the offseason so as a head coach I would expect that they would all be here you have a number of guys that have not been able to participate either voluntarily or because of injuries 
Uh, what's the level of significance in your mind? I mean, when you're balancing it, having so many guys and so many leaders not being here. Well, I mean, the, the guys that aren't here, um, they're veteran players. Uh, they're guys that uh, have played a ton of football for us. They helped us win a, a championship a couple years ago. And, and so I'm not concerned really, um, you know, with, with those guys not being here. Uh, obviously, next week's a different set of circumstances because it is, you know, as I mentioned, it's the it's the only mandatory portion of, of our offseason. But, um, you know, the guys are, uh, that are here have been working extremely hard um, and, and we're building that chemistry uh, right now, kind of laying the foundation right now with the guys we have, and and uh, uh, we'll carry it over next week and then into training camp. So without Darren Sproles, who's missing some intangibles, leadership, good example, things like that, you're also missing a skill set that really works in your offense. Do you look to kind of replenish that, fill that in, and if so, how do you how do you go about doing that? Do you look for more from particular guys? Do you look at a particular player who might be similar in his skill set how do you kind of fill that gap yeah you know it's um you know we have a player boston scott has been on our roster now since uh, the end of last season toward halfway through and um you know he's a guy that's uh can kind of fill you know a darren sproles he's in that same body type same quickness um you know we're working him in couple different situations as a runner as a punt returner and just kind of getting a feel for him because he wasn't a guy that we you know initially brought onto our our team early uh and then of course there's other guys but he's kind of been the one that um if if you say you're gonna try to replace darren which you you really can't um he would be the guy that is kind of taking that role over right now how much is like you know, those four guys we were talking about not being here, how much does that benefit benefited like some of the younger guys who are probably getting more opportunities now? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I think it's great for the young guys, you know, and, and, and really, I might have said this before, whether it's this spring or, you know, last year, whenever, but, you know, the offseason and, and this time of year is, is designed really for the for the young the younger player, the guy that you want to develop and, and grow into your system and see where they're at. You know, this is that time we can really – you know, go hands on with them and and uh, and and teach and coach and and put them on put them on film and 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 correct and you know um, it's 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 a it's a good part it's a I guess it's a, uh, it's exciting for them you know the 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 young guys because those are the guys that end up as what happened last year end up playing for you you know and and so now we can develop them. Who are some of the players that stood out? Um, on offense, you know, I think Nelson's had a really good offseason. Uh, Dallas Goddard has really uh, improved on where he sort of left off at the end of last year, you know, on, on offense. You know, we've talked about Carson a little bit defensively. I mean, I think, you know, um, Avante Maddox has kind of picked up where he left off. He's looking really good. I think Sidney, you know, Sidney Jones is playing, uh, you know, with the absence of, of Jalen and, and Darby right now, just just playing with confidence and playing with with great ability and, and skill. And the player that uh, you know that we drafted, uh, and then even even uh, Razul Douglas, I think, is another one that uh, has had a really good spring. And, and I think all these guys have benefited. They're younger players that have benefited from playing um, in regular season games and even some even postseason games. So. Uh, that's uh, that's a valuable experience. How does Big V look at guard, and is it possible he could play that position during the season? Yeah, Big V's, you know, he's he's handled it extremely well. Um, we're still, you know, you still cross train him at, at guard and tackle and give him some reps out outside. But he's uh, he's getting comfortable in there. You know, it's a new position. Guys are on you a little bit faster, but he's transitioned well. 
Um, he's picked it up and, and he's smart. He, he's, he's right in there with Kelsey and um, handling, you know, line calls and things that uh, they have to do. Um, and he's, he's, he's filled that role uh, this spring well. So we had a few weeks here with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. What have you seen from him? What has he showed you? Yeah, this kid is—he's uh, got deceiving speed, long speed. Number one, he's—he's he's big, he's physical at the top. You can see some some of his separation when there's contact at the top of routes, where he can he can separate. Um, got a really good first step quickness at the line uh, to release, and he's a big—he's just a big body. We've 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 seen him in the red zone a little bit and being able to you know some back shoulder throws and some of the things you've seen on tape in college, and um, you know he's been impressive that way. Um, but uh, I would say that you know he's still he's still learning, uh, learning how to run routes, learning, um, I think uh, you know how our quarterbacks throw and, and timing of things. And um, but uh, he's had a really good spring. Do you have a question about soft tissue injuries that you had last year, Doug? Have you made any adjustments to either training, stretching, things to try to avoid that this year? You know, we, we focus a little more on the on the core. Um, we do it every year, but I think there's some there's some things to be said. I think. You know, uh, I think research, it's hard to track, you know, because there's, you know, every team and, and the data that's out there, um, it's, it's hard to track. I think I think we're getting more and more kind of caught up with the soft tissue injuries. I mean, we've got extensive history with ACLs and all this kind of stuff, but now the soft tissue thing is, is kind of, you know, taken over. So we're, we're collecting more data on it. And so we're trying to, you know, be proactive. Um with with soft tissue with you know with with stretching um uh core you know exercises given given our strength you know one of the things i did this spring was give our strength conditioning a little more time to be a little more proactive in, in some of this so we can you know be ahead of the curve um and and really try to focus on eliminating as many as we can you know obviously they're going to come up but um you know, we're, we're taking steps to be proactive in it. Doug, one of the veterans this year is Brandon Graham. Now, you've obviously you've played a really long time. He's now entering year 10. Can you speak to the achievement of getting to that number of years in the NFL? And then what realistically do you think he has left? I mean, you know, obviously Brandon, um, he, he's, he's kind of the heart and soul of this football team. I mean, with his energy every single day and – um, what he brings to the defense, what he brings from a leadership standpoint to our team, um, it's pretty pretty impressive that he's that he's played this long. And really, to me, I mean, he can, he can go several more years. I, I really do believe that. And and uh, he, he's he's one that you know his, his career might have got off a little little shaky, um, but I tell you what, he's he has come on and, and the way he the way he trains, the way he works. Um, you know, he, he just he's got everything in perspective, and that's that's important for players, especially at that at that age. That um, what's really important to him, you know. I mean, obviously, his family's huge and, and and big part of his life, and you know, keeping all that in perspective. But yet, coming to work every day, trying to improve, helping the young guys to improve. Um, it's a credit, and I you know I love having him around. Is that it? All right, thanks, guys.
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.